Hey everyone, this is Sam Culpepper bringing you the Culpepper Chronicles, where myself and special guests hope to bring you, the listener, more information in regards to self-sufficiency, fieldcraft, survival, marksmanship, gear, and theory with the aids of not only personal experience and opinion, but historical and technical documentation as well. All in the hopes to better prepare you for impending collapse and hard times to come. Now, pull up a seat and let's get down to it. This is Sam coming to you with the first episode of season three of the Culpepper Chronicles. I uh, figured I'd kick it off with none other than Operator. Uh, hey, man, how you doing? How's it going, dude? Doing well, man. I know uh, I kind of hit you up last minute, and uh, we're both kind of pressed for time. Don't have a whole lot uh, of time. So we were talking before about doing a, a episode kind of following up to the Gorilla Warfare uh, and that episode that we did that is still by far the top played most listened to podcast episode i have so i definitely want to do that but we're both kind of pressed for time and there was another topic we've been talking about and that was uh night vision and uh we don't have a whole lot of time to get into like specs this is not going to be an episode on you need to pick this you need to pick that you know singles versus duels you know green versus white boss anything like that well i'll probably do an episode about that later this is more of a philosophy of you so, um, what do you see as far as going forward with the uh, prevalence of night vision technology being out there on the civilian market, as well as the possible for you know peer near peer threats that we may be facing? And not, I mean, I have my thoughts. I'm curious about yours. I know you've used them professionally uh, in terms of your service. Uh, I've only ever been on the civilian side. So I'll just go ahead and say it. I think the uh, I think the craze of IR uh, patches, IR strobes, is uh, is going to come to an end pretty soon. I mean, I, you know, I have a bunch. I use them for like training and stuff like that. But by and large, I think we're uh, I don't know. I, I think someone coined the term. It's like the third generation of gun ownership or whatever. Um, I think that this sort of like paradigm shift we've seen is going to lead to a lot of like, hey. Uh, I can't have these little reflective squares on me because all it takes is someone with like a D-Val D2 or, you know, like a Steiner IR illuminator to just flash me. And now they see me bright as day. So I, it's definitely now more than ever a consideration for everyone. And I think because of it, we're going to start seeing, or we're going to, you're going to see a lot, well, at least me, you're going to see a lot more people start talking about like, all right, well, you know, you're just going to have to treat nighttime like daytime in terms of like, you need to be very cautious. You need to be very careful. Uh, to some people I might even advise, like don't even bother moving, uh, during, during nighttime. Like it's just not, if you, if you know that there's like a, let's say you're a part of a, a guerrilla force or something, you're operating somewhere against a modern military. You're really, if they have night vision, you're really at a disadvantage even attempting to move at night. You're good better off just kind of hiding little rest overnight position either make your signature small hide under a thermal blanket something along those lines because that you know that advantage being able to see at the night is a superpower and coupling coupling night vision and thermal like you're going to be at a pretty significant disadvantage yeah and that's something i've been been saying 
for like the last year and like at first people are like oh that's stupid i'm only ever going to ever want to especially like with passive aiming so like i have been really pushing passive aiming with rifle setups and handgun setups for like a year now and a year ago people were like oh that's stupid i'm just gonna you know i'm only going to use my my d-ball laser when i need it i'm only going to do this when i need it and, and it just it's all about discipline and all that i'm like okay that's great but like what about an ambush situation where you don't want to put forth any hour elimination but you can still see them they can't see you both sides have not vision and now you still need to be able to aim your shots so it's like, yeah no, so I, exactly. i've been saying that and i've been saying that for a year and like i said at first people are like oh that's stupid like i'll just i'll i'll only use it when i need it and so like that's great but like what about the times where you don't want to use it but you still need it <laughs> So like, I think I think I, I completely agree with you, man. I think that uh, you're gonna see the the big craze of having the giant like flag IR patches on your on your front and back and everything else. I think that's gonna go to the wayside. And a lot of it is just, yeah. just doctrinally speaking, we're we we only can go forward based on what we've learned from the past. So like we had when you know night vision first started coming about, kind of the, the tail end of, of it being prevalently used, the the tail end of Vietnam. Uh, into, you know, the early GWAT era and, and going forward. And we were relatively the only side, at least with our military history, that had not been. So, like, especially especially uh, Global War on Terror, where you had us fighting people who did not have any technological capabilities. And for the first decade, that's how it was. So you had, you know, we own the night, we're doing night raids, you're seeing, you know, everyone's seen the videos. And, and video games and everything else where it's like lasers bouncing around everywhere and everybody's flashing lasers and it's just like it can't be seen to the, the visible eye and that's all they have so why wouldn't you use that as, as your technological advantage the issue is and i think that we we're seeing that in the last like five years or so of the global war on terror before we pulled out a uh increased prevalence of like uh russian second gen and stuff like that that the enemy was having and they were like forces were kind of having to adapt to that but going forward, yeah. it, even even if you don't look at it as a near peer, like for instance, if we're looking at Russia right now because of the, the growing conflict going on there, like if that becomes an issue, or, or anyone for that matter, but even a non-military power, the the saturation of the market of night vision has grown exponentially over the last five years. I mean, if someone like me has it, and you know, I'm just Joe Shost, you know, civilian. If I have it. There's nothing that says my neighbor doesn't. Or, or yeah, I mean, I, I, me and some homies have been saying it for a very long time. Uh, I, the word, the term nods creep, uh, every once in a while I'll bring it back up. But, you know, if you if you look at how the uh, how the market is right now and the proliferation of night vision, for when I first, you know, when that term was first coined, it was, it was, you know, 2017, 2018, and night vision was common. You know, this was back when Sentinels, but, like, it wasn't as common as it is now. It wasn't in, like, the modern lexicon. Like, now you have normal gun owners. Like, like, like not, I'm not saying, like, normal, like, as if there's an irregularity or anything. I'm saying more like the average dude that walks into a gun store for the first, or, you know, for his first, like, single-digit times, he knows, he's aware that people out there own night vision very aware of it he's aware that it's at least to some degree that it just lets you see at night where you wouldn't be able to see otherwise and you know the market has changed so much things have gotten to that point to where like 
you really do have to take this into consideration. I mean, right. and I'm not to say you weren't always taking it into consideration. I remember when I first got in uh, around 2014, I was hearing anecdotes about how important IR discipline was because the Taliban would get cheap, like Sony camcorders, and they would be they would be trying to look. If it was like a, a pretty high illumination night. They like they roughly knew where a patrol landed, you know, in a helicopter or stepped off their vehicles or whatever. And they would use the night vision settings on the camcorder or even just like setting up the gate or uh, I'm not too familiar in cameras, but they were able to see like the, the very weird little purplish hue of like some of the IR systems that soldiers were using. So it became, you know, you couldn't you couldn't just keep an IR flood like light on your head the entire time so everyone could see, everyone in your patrol could see, it became a, we need to be careful, you know, we need to even like, uh, I know there are even like anecdotes, I don't know if I read it somewhere, someone told it to me, where people were yeah. saying like, you didn't even, you didn't even want to use the light on your watch because like, you know, you didn't know how. Right, yeah, and people, and people who don't have access to night vision or never use it, don't realize just how much something as simple as like the, the, backlight on a Casio G-Shock, how bright that is in the night. Like it yeah, is, I mean, it a, really cigarette, a cigarette's a big one. A cigarette's a huge one. You would think that you couldn't see a cigarette, but it's it, glow, it yeah. glows so bright under it night really vision. Does. And then, you know, like uh, you've, got, you've got the prevalence in it. It's the change of gun culture um, with stuff like, you know, the, the dudes over at T-Rex Arms that were pushing a lot of the psionic stuff, like last year in the year before it and the Sionics cameras that were able to be helmet mounted and, and stuff like that. And like, that's not in my opinion on par with like a PGS 14 or anything, but at the same time, it doesn't cost as much. It's a lo- much more uh, lower level of entry that anyone can have, even to do like you were saying with the Taliban where, where they can just monitor with it. And if, if they're monitoring and you're passing out our signature, all that's doing is saying, okay, this is exactly where they are. And you're, you're kind of defeating the uh, the capabilities that you're you're wanting to achieve with that. So and they with all that even, being said, yeah. Um, the thing too is, sorry, man. No, man, you go, you go for it. You go for it. So the other thing too is like you know you, you have the Taliban, which is a pretty and all little terror groups out there in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they you know they they were pretty sophisticated when it, not just the night vision, but I mean like you know they had mortars and stuff like that it wouldn't be so difficult to even like try and start a firefight with dudes wearing night vision. You had pre-plotted points. You knew it was near that. You could just kind of walk off mortars from that. And you just have an observer with night vision with a radio or a cell phone. And you're, you know, I know a lot of guys say like, Oh, well, you know, you'll see their lasers, you'll see their illuminators, but that's not even entirely the case. A, A guy doesn't have to like, he doesn't have to directly engage you with small arms to directly engage you. Exactly. So, you know, and, and that's one of the things it's like the reason I bring all this up is because of the saturation and everything else. Like, everyone, I feel like I, I did it for a while. Um, as far as stateside, everyone kind of thinks that if you have stuff like this, you're kind of like a good guy, like, because good guys had stuff like it. As far as like, you know, military, our military, and stuff like that. Like, if you're in the military, you had that. So, like, you have that experience, but there's nothing that guarantees just because you had military service, you're a good person, or that, like, you're in law enforcement, that you're a good person, or that you're a civilian, that you're a good person. And yeah. having access to that type of stuff doesn't necessitate that you're a good person. And, like, I don't have to worry about it. 
Like, I might need to be just as worried about the crackhead that lives in my town or the, the meth kingpin that lives in my town that has prior military service and has a ACH with a 14 on top of it. Like, I might need to be just as worried about that as I do about, you know, Russian invasion or anything like that, if not more so, because that's a more direct threat to home that could even happen at any point in time. And yeah, if he and is if he is deciding that today is the day and he is somehow outfitted, if you want to play whatever role you want to this, but has somehow outfitted his bangers with, you know, not vision capabilities or even silent its cameras or whatever, and they are encroaching upon my property and I start lazing out there with our lasers, they're going to know where I am and they're going to know my capabilities. And then it's just kind of a shit show at that point. Um, For sure. So I think that like, it's hard to look at it historically because of the progression of night vision. We've really only in the last you know 20 or 30 years been into the prevalence of night vision. But like I think, and I, I brought this up in the Longhouse uh, in one of the, the channels on there about the use of it as more of a defensive role instead of an active assaulting role. I think that we're kind of geared up because we've had years of, of night raids and owning the night, and that's what we see and that's what we want to do. When realistically, even if you have night vision capabilities, setting up a RON or remaining or not like you're talking about may very well be the better option, and then using it for a security measure. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't have night vision, you're always going to be outclassed by someone who does. But likewise, with night vision, I mean, I feel like you can't mention night vision now without mentioning thermals. And exactly. there's another there's another curious issue with thermals is that even an inexpensive thermal can still spot you or can still spot exactly. someone. And thermal can be so, used daylight or not. That's another thing. Like, it can be used yeah. in the middle of the day. Yeah. So, so you, you have you have this issue where if you're the guy moving, you're, you know, if you're, let's say you're, you're a patrol and you're moving at night, no night vision, no thermals, no image intensifiers besides, like, a flashlight, like a red lens light. You're going to be moving at night. And if you're, you're either going to be moving through open terrain where you're going to be highlighted against whatever the background is, and that's not even counting whatever clothes you're wearing and whether it's NIR compliant, whether you know it is or not. That's another issue with not having night vision is you don't, you don't know what reflects on you. Right. Um, but let's say you go on patrol. You decide to take it out in the open. So, you know, you're, you're skylining or you're highlighted against the background. Or let's say you go through the brush. You can't really see where you're going. You're making a ton of noise. You're stepping on twigs. That noise travels. Anyone who's just in place, sitting in place, is going to hear that. They're going to hear, you know, people stumbling around, whatever. Even if they're, even if they're disciplined in terms of like, I taped down every strap. I made sure I didn't make any noise when I jumped. Even if you did that, you, you still can't see. You're going to be stumbling around a bit. So anyone posted up with, you know, a one Firewatch guy with a thermal, or with a PVS 14, he's just holding in his hands. You can just kind of point in that direction and see what's going on. And, you know, that's, you're just so outclassed by anyone, you yeah. know, standing and, up. And I, would, I would say that even if you have the capabilities, like a 14, like, especially moving at night, there's a big difference, in my opinion, between moving through a relatively open, sandy area and moving through something like the Ozark Forest that I live in. Because even during the day, when I have all the visibility and all the capability to see what I'm stepping on and stepping around, I'm still relatively loud. Now, you factor yeah. in at night where you have a single single tube like I do with a 14 or even duels. Like, yes, you can see more, engage a little bit better depth perception, but you're still going to make a ton of noise. And anyone moving is going to make a ton of noise. 
um, unless they're just moving at a pace so slow that it's just not really gaining them anything anyway. I mean, that's an option too. Uh, if you, I don't know how much you've read about like Vietnam lure patrols. I'm sure you've read a lot, but I know that I, I there gamble. have been patrols. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> there have been patrols that have ga- that only move like a hundred yards in a day. Like yeah. there have been situations where patrols have not moved very far at all. So I don't know if it, it boils down to a discipline issue where it's just like, I'm going to move, but I'm going to move at such a snail's pace that even if they're scanning for me, unless they have thermals, they're just not going to see anything. Um, or you just kind of like, you just don't put yourself in that situation. You decide like, yeah. we're going to hunker down, we're going to post up, not make any noise, and we're going to wait. Yeah, but, but, um, and I, I base a lot of my stuff off of, you know, the LRB dog books and doctrine and stuff and anyone who looks at my instagram is going to see that i mean I, i'm yeah. heavily into that because i think that like if you look at it small unit tactics are what we need to focus on small groups and that is kind of the epitome of a small group fighting a larger number so i look yeah. at what they have and like and that's kind of what i'm saying like we can't necessarily look at it historically like it's not like they had third gen pbs 14s during that time but yeah like night vision was just kind of growing and becoming a thing. Like you had Moonbeam, the big AC-130 gunship that was flying around up, up in the sky, and they literally had a freaking, I don't know if anyone's ever seen this before or if you've seen it before, but it's a giant IR illuminator that's like the size of a bus hanging off the side of this thing. It looks like a spotlight, but it's all IR. And, that was, and they, had, they had to cast that down in order to see what they were shooting at because they would call gun runs in a time. And they would have like a, an hour strobe. The the SOG units would have a little hour flip top strobe that they would that they would put in a uh, an M seventy nine grenade launcher tube and point it up in the in the air because it was visible and IR. And that would keep the visible signature down and cast the hour straight up so that that moonbeam could see them. And like they didn't have technology like we have today, but they had growing technology at the time. And still, I think that their method of setting up a, a remain overnight position, especially in a densely wooded area, and then only using your night vision capabilities if you have it to enhance your defensive perimeter by saying, okay, every so often we're going to flip mods down and look around and scan and flip them back up. And I think that's going to work a lot better logistically because you're not burning through batteries all the time. You're going to be less detectable because you're stationary. If you're worried about thermal and you have like thermal cloaks, there's a ton of stuff coming out nowadays that's going to help with that. Uh, I think in the next five years, we'll have really big ways of mitigating thermal. I think thermal right now is like night vision of 20 years ago. Uh, or yeah, 10 years no, ago when, when big, it's like, this it's is the big technology. Yeah, it's the big Yeah, because even with, even with IR and night vision, if you make sure that all your stuff is NIR compliant, you have a pair of nods and you can kind of test it. You can, you can, for the most part, I'm not going to say you're going to be invisible, but you're going to definitely make it hard. Like, you're not going to stand out as much at night. With thermal, there's no hiding that. You're going to sweat. Yeah. Any movement is going to be a labored event. It's, you're going to be sweating. Yeah. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be giving off heat. Even You can't even cover up everything. You, your eyes are going to be showing at the very least. You know, even there's if you're no, wearing a ball. There's no coating yourself in mud to hide from the predator. Um, yeah, that doesn't work. But, yeah, so in those events, your best case is, you know, Hunker yeah, down. And you're, and you're seeing that now with like, like Shot Show 2022. There was a bunch of thermal stuff that was coming out. And I know Ralph oh, Camo, or however you pronounce it, R E L V, they have a yeah. pretty little. They've got a pretty baller smock thing coming out. Like, I've been kind of keeping an eye on that. 
and I'm uh, I don't know how much it's going to cost or how it's going to work, but I want one. Yeah, whatever their blanket is is definitely appealing. Yeah, and Looks I think like that's it. what we're going to see is eventually because the issue is with thermal, you can never cover your skin enough. Like there will always be something. Like you can mitigate it to as, to whatever degree you can. So like clothing and stuff like that. Like the the, the answer with night vision was in our compliant night vision uh, clothing. So that helped deal with the the glowing and the shine. And then after that, it was just you know we're going to coat our skin in cam cream to to do all the shine and and police glass and you know when you know smoke and joke on the patrol. But like with thermal, you don't have that capability as much because even if you coat your skin in cam cream, you still produce heat. Like it doesn't do anything for heat. So like you are yeah. going to have to like be head to toe covered in some sort of thermal reduced cloth. Um, and I don't know how the technology works with that, but I can only assume that that's not going to breathe super well. Um, and if you're in a hot and humid area, you know, I, I feel like the answer to thermal is going to be a lot of sit in place with the thermal cloak on and, and hope for the best. Hope someone else makes the wrong move first. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much that or, or figuring out a way to spoof thermals or, you know, maybe they might make thermal proof I'm not yes. sure, but that's, some, uh, that's, that's for the thermal jamming system. Yeah, but that's uh, that's well beyond whatever I know of. So oh, for sure, Same I would almost bet that we're so technology is only as good as it necessitates before something else comes along that either nullifies it or it. And it's usually a nullification and an increase in technology. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't start seeing just ways of blocking technology in general, like electronics. Like, we're yeah. going to start seeing dudes walking around with, like, some sort of weird battery pack system that just, like, jams outside of 100 meters of anything electronic. And, and we're going to go back to freaking sticks and stones before too long. Because we've progressed to a point where it's like, we're either not going to fight, because there's no possible way either side can fight and, and sustain that, because everybody's seeing each other and there's no concealment or something like that. But there's going to be someone to nullify it where it levels the playing field. I mean, even even to that, you know, we're saying like, oh yeah, hunker down, don't move. But for all we know, the winning move might be the opposite. Just like, you know, force them to engage. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it, like, just kind of like keep putting pressure. You know, you can have night vision all you want. You can have thermals, but if you're, you know, you're still in a running gunfight day in and day out. Yeah, if, if, if it's a constant... Like, and that's the thing, like, surprise comes through stealth or speed. So, like, you're either going to have to move faster than them and outpace them to where they can't sustain a running gun pop, or move through them so quickly that they can't fight you back. Or, or yeah. you're going to have to be able to hide in a stealth manner to where that you can you can fight them. So, yeah. I mean, if you look at, again, Vietnam type of thing, like the 4th Infantry, Infantry Division, uh, in the, uh, the Mekong Delta, that was their plan, is they moved, they covered like, massive amounts of freaking ground. They covered, you know, 20 kilometers a day on foot. And they just literally kept outpacing the VC to where they couldn't fight them. And then when it came time for the end of the day, they fortified the point where the VC didn't want to fight them. So it's just like, it, it's going to be interesting to see the doctrine of it. And I know we, we've, we've drifted off a little bit from that vision topic yeah but, well but it's time, it all plays hand in hand of course of course it's just a tool to enable uh, ultimately night vision is just a tool to try and enable operations in uh exactly. in a time where previously you might not want to undertake it but um 
you know, I, I think another side effect too is I know a lot of guys like to run those uh those nav boards on their chest or those like attack you know, ATAC uh, mm-hmm. cell phone setups. Yeah. And, I and use your device on their chest. Yeah, I, I, they're not bad. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. I'm just saying this. Every time I see the, the handful of times I mess around with people with night vision and they have cell phones around, they're almost always strobing or doing some sort of – there's always some sort of, like, light that you're just not catching that is going to give that signature. Yeah. I, think those, I think a lot of those setups are going to move off of chest mounting, and you're going to have them in, like, boxes, or they're going to change the – the formatting of the phone so it gives off no signature you have like a special like you know night vision cable like you know how garments like the yeah. 401 601 and the 701 all have night vision settings i think you're going to see that with phones yeah, i think you're going to see people like that. I, I think realistically you will see dedicated electronic devices that are solely designed for it with a, a solely designed night vision mode not like, hey, I'm going to turn all the brightness down on my phone screen and strap it to my chest like a lot of dudes do. Because yeah. even with the lowest brightness, like it's not even visible hardly to your naked eye. It's still generating light that can be seen through night vision. And, yeah. and that's not, and you know, people, because, and I wanted to do this episode because people ask me all the time, like, what about night vision? What about night vision? Should I get night vision? I know you have it. Is that something I should get? And like, look, it's, it's, if you have it, it can only enhance your capabilities. It's not going to make you like, you know, superhuman and everything else. Yes, seeing it not is a superpower and it's awesome. Like, I love I love going out and just walking around with it and stuff like that. But like, you have to understand it's just like anything, there's limitations to it. However, if yeah. you look solely at night vision and we disregard thermal and everything else, if you and I are facing off against each other and I, at night and I have night vision and you don't, I am at a decided advantage against you. Until you do something yeah. to nullify that, by, like walking around with strobe lights everywhere or something, and even then, yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've said it before. Um, if you can, I would highly to, to anyone listening. If you can, I would highly, highly, highly encourage figuring out a way to solve the night vision problem. Yep. Um, I I wouldn't cheap out too much on it because that's just money you could have put towards a PVS fourteen. But yeah, I think, I think if we're me, talking. Yeah, if, you, if I'm going to, you know, I know we said we weren't going to tell you like what to buy, but if you're going to buy something, your bare minimum is probably going to be a PVS 14. Yeah. And that's what it's I have. I have, be, a Gen, I have a Gen 3 uh, Watt Foss yeah. PVS 14. Yeah. And it does, it does everything I could really want it to do. The only thing it doesn't do is allow both eyes to do the same thing. Yeah. Like, I have a I have a green I have a green phosphor RNVG setup and it, I'll tell you it's definitely nice having two tubes, but in the army I was driving a 113 in the middle of the night for hours with just my head sticking out of the uh, driver's port with a PVS 14 mounted onto my helmet, so it's you can do everything with a 14. Uh, dual tubes are just a massive quality of life improvement, but it's not to say exactly. that you need to have dual tubes. You can you, no, it's, that's 14. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, just it's do, the social media consumerism part. aspect of it. And that's why everyone's like, well, hey, do I need to get these, you know, uh, PVS 15s or PVS 31s or DTMVGs or what? It's DTMVS now that's coming out. And I'm like, look, you know, do you have not vision now? No. Okay. What is your budget? It's this. Well, then I would say that you're probably better off going the, the minimum barrier of entry, which is a PVS 14. Um, and then 
may be upgrading later down the road. Because, I mean, the thing is, they don't really depreciate in price that much. So, like, if you want to, if you want to get into a GS14 and then put the rest of that money into batteries and ammo and time working on it under night vision, especially if you're someone who wants well, to be I mean, Well, I mean, even with night vision, you have so many ancillary things you need to get. You know, yeah, cool, you have a 14, but you need a mount for it. So either a exactly. J-arm, I think it was called the I-arm if you're mounting it onto a rifle. You need, yeah. you know, you need, and if you're not using an arm, if it's a dovetail interface, you need, you exactly. know, like a and, that, and that's something that, like, and, and I was lucky, you know, how I got into it, I got loaned a bunch of stuff, like, I ended up with a 14 that I actually won on a raffle. That's the only reason I have it. You know, there it is. I got it on a raffle. But um, yeah, I didn't have a mount. I didn't have a helmet. I didn't have any of that. And uh, I was loaned through friends like a, an old surplus Rhino mount and J-Arm. And I yeah. rocked that for the first year while I saved up for all the stuff that I needed. Yeah, it's not great, but it works. And I no, mean, the thing is... There's little tricks and stuff to make it a little bit better, but it definitely is not great. Yeah. No, but I mean, it works, man. I mean, yeah. it's... You know, it, it's. I think just most people need to just figure out, like, okay, how can I budget? You know, maybe instead of having another AR or having another like scoped rifle or whatever. You know, and not to say those are bad; those are great. I'm just saying, like, if you don't have night vision, you should really consider figuring that question out. If you are yep. serious about, like, oh, I think things might get bad. I think I might have to fight people because if you're gonna fight people, you know, you're, you're you can't just say I'm gonna fight people at noon in perfect weather. And I'm going to be in the perfect fighting position. It's like, dude, the, the half the day is nighttime. So, exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing. And, and and to those listening, I know that like I try I try and bring as much uh, civilian side to it and homesteading side to it as I do the the militaristic side of it or you know the fighting side of it. If you're someone who is just getting into homesteading or something like that, and you're trying to gain sustainment capabilities, that's going to do more for you. And you're like, okay, do I need to budget in, you know, XYZ for the home versus a PBS-14. Uh, you need, like, you, you can't eat your PBS-14. You can't drink your PBS-14. So just make sure that you're you're making good choices. If you're someone who's relatively squared away in that regard and you've got the majority of your field kit squared away and you've got one solid good rifle and you've got all this stuff squared away and you're like, okay, this is I, I've been working with this budget that I've been putting together, and I know that I need to do something to help better my chances. Then you should be looking at stuff like this. If you're sitting there yeah. with uh, a, a shoebox full of magazines, a PSA rifle, and you know a a can of beans on your shelf, you should not be shopping on the Instagram for the next BPMBG helmet setup that GBRS puts out. Yeah, no, for sure. You should. It's so, it's and, definitely one of those. You should square it away at some point, but you either do it concurrently with other things that you can knock out, depending on whatever your finances are, or you you just make. You, it's one of those decisions that's like, all right, I've covered beans, bullets, and bandages. Now I can kind of cover more of the uh, fighting equipment if that's what you want to do. Exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. Real quick, go ahead, man. No, I was going to say just like as much as I want to say everyone everyone should have it, I think every, I think they should be on the shelf at Walmart for people to readily buy. Like that's kind of where I'm at with it. But like it's just not there. So you need to be able to prioritize these things and make sure that you and your family are taken care of before going into this. Because this, like I've, I've said a ton of times, it's an enabler. It's going to be great for you in terms of fighting. 
but it's not the be-all, end-all. You have to have it right off the bat. It's something to aspire to. Yeah. On another note, I know a lot of guys like laser setups, and that's the big for, – for the longest time, that was a big in vogue thing. Really, really, really consider um, offset dots, piggyback dots, yep. or your primary optic being having some sort of night vision setting. Yeah. Um, like EOTech, you know, EOTech uh, 3 Series, aim points, even hollow suns have night vision settings. So it's yeah. not super – once you get 14s, let's say you, you, you scrounged up money to get 14s, you might be fine with a, an offset hollow sun or a piggyback hollow sun for now as your passive aiming system Yeah, and a vampire and light. And that's and that's what I was about to say. Like, like if you look at my current setup, which I'm going to talk about it later on because I'm, I'm changing a little bit of stuff up. My current optic setup is a 4X ACOG with an RMR piggyback on top of it. And I've got a, a Shurhard Vampire Scout light on there. And that does everything I personally needed to do in my area. I don't, I don't have to have mass distance engagements with night vision or anything like that. I've got the top dot, the RMR, that allows me to aim passively with my, my PBS-14. And if I need illumination, I have the Vampire Lot that does it. This is coming from a dude who's had a D-Ball D2. I've had a D-Ball, uh, uh, well, was it's an A2. It, was a, it wasn't a civilian one. It was actually a full power. I had one of those for a little bit. And I've had all this, and in my experience, it didn't give me the – it gave me too much in a way. And if you look at the the cost versus use ratio, I get a whole lot more benefit out of having a piggybacked RMR and a vampire lot uh, and having the ability to passively aim. Absolutely. And, so, so yeah, like I said, it's – don't if you do get a 14, you know if you're listening to this, you you make your first foray into night vision, you do get a 14. Don't fret too much about the laser. It's good to have. It's good to have an eight laser and illuminator. The figure out on how you're gonna aim a rifle with it first. You can if you can solve that question, you're you're going in the right direction. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's like the plus side to using a passive setup, especially if it's like your main optic setup is every rep you get during the daylight is almost exactly the same at night. So, like, every yeah. presentation you get, anything like that, it's all the same. So, like, for, for the longest time, and I, and I may still try it in the future, but I really like the uh, the T2 with a, a magnifier behind it because I had it on a higher mount, and, like, every repetition I had was the exact same. The presentation was the exact same, regardless of if I had the 14 on my head or not. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of benefit to that. Uh, I see a lot of dudes who are like, I'm going to run a, a 1 to 10 LPVO with an offset dot, and they never touch their offset dot ever, except for when they've got the 14 on their head. And, yeah. like, and I would say that if you are going to do that, if you're someone who's going to be using like a dedicated LPVO or a dedicated you know, fixed power optic or something like that with an offset dot, at least get repetitions in like, like a one-for-one one ratio. Every rep you get on your main optic, get a rep in on, on that that piggyback passive optic because if you're not you know it's just like you said it, it's it's not time half the day so like, yeah you and you need to, if you're like me and you have an lpvo with an offset red dot you need to figure out too you know you need to do this with night vision on like go, even if it's just dry firing you just clear your weapon you go inside it you make a room dark in your house and you throw on your duels or 14 you need to attempt aiming because it's very 
I know some setups you might just start bumping in, bumping your nods yeah. into your uh, LPVO or your scope or whatever. So I mean, it's not super. It's just make sure that make sure that you try it out first before going to the range for the first time. I see that a lot, and I experience that a lot with the forty-five degree offsets versus like yeah. a shotgun because you you have, when you bring the rifle up, you have to roll it and you have to like tuck everything in just perfectly around that that rear end of that main offset. And if you yeah. don't, you start banging it around, it ends up a cluster. So that's that's a different topic for a different time. For but, sure, uh, I'm I'm about out of time. Yeah, brother, me too. So uh, I appreciate you getting on here. Um, yeah, I, I know it was a quick one; it wasn't too long, but I have yeah. Gotten, well, you know, it was, it was longer than I thought we were going to have time for. So that's always a plus. I hope you know the listeners may have gained a little bit out of it. I still want to have you on for that follow up to Gorilla. Uh, the gorilla oh, we will. Podcast. We just got to set aside a couple hours to do it in. Yeah. So, because it's a it's a doozy of a topic. <laughs> oh, for sure. You can go on for hours. All right, man. Thanks for having yes, me. Sir. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on. Y'all take it easy. You too.